think of it as you know meditation on steroids with with this type of technology you're able to visualize and hear what's going on while you're meditating if you for example choose to meditate um, and in addition to that you're able to get a personalized program that targets the specific areas right that are causing the um, the issues welcome to the high performance health podcast with your host angela foster the show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind body and lifestyle hi friends if you're anything like me and interested in optimizing your cognition and the way in which your brain works then i think you're really going to get a lot of value from today's episode Um, We're talking all about neurofeedback, which is the way to train brain activity. It's essentially biofeedback for the brain. And in today's podcast, I sit down with Aziz Kadan, who is the founder and CEO of a company called Mindlift, which operates a neurofeedback training platform. Now, until now, you would have had to go to a clinic and had a series of appointments to do neurofeedback training. And so it could be quite costly and also quite time consuming. But Aziz has developed a particular sensor that works alongside the Muse headband, of which I have one and I've used for meditation previously. And he has an extra sensor that works alongside the Muse headband, which means that you can actually work with a practitioner at home to train your brain to be faster and better. It can also help with things like ADHD um, and avoid the need for medication in children. Um, This technology has been used with athletes for performance and also entrepreneurs and executives. So it really is a performance hack. But as I say, until now, it was something that you would have had to go to a clinic to do. But what Aziz has done has invented this really cool bit of kit that enables you to do it from the comfort of your own home alongside a practitioner. So I'm really delighted to introduce you to Aziz. Um, He's a mental health advocate and he's been exploring the human brain for many years. As I mentioned, he's the CEO and co-founder of MindLift, which is a neurofeedback training platform. And he experienced the negative side effects associated with ADHD medication as a child. And this inspired him to co-found MindLift. Now, MindLift uses EEG sensors to measure the brain activity, and it does that through the Muse headband alongside this additional sensor that MindLift use. And it provides specific training to increase the brain's ability to regulate itself. So it's quite cool. It's sort of kind of involuntary activity on your part, really. As you're playing a game, it's teaching your brain to do certain things based on the feedback. Now, MindLift has been recognized globally, and it was listed as a Gartner Call vendor in Health and Wellness for 2018, and it's also supported by clinical partners such as Miami Children's Hospital. And the startup has been featured in multiple news outlets such as CNBC, Israel 21C, Globes, Polydia, and Iconic. And by the age of 23, Aziz was honored on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. He is so inspiring when you listen to him and he explains this technology really well, how you can use it. And he really wants to empower people to change. So it's a really, really interesting episode. So if you've been thinking about how you might biohack your brain, then I think you're really going to enjoy this. So let me introduce you now to Aziz. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Aziz Kadan. He is 
the CEO and founder of MindLift, which is a very exciting bit of kit, basically, that brings neurofeedback to the masses. It makes it way more accessible. Now, if you're wondering what neurofeedback is, we're going to be going into that in just a moment. But he is on a mission to provide data-driven mental well-being. And I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here today, Aziz. I can't wait to chat to you about this because this has so many applications as far as I can see in terms of improving people's mental health and helping them get more creative, uh, better concentration, and not just the performance active um, aspects, but also people who are struggling with areas of mental health. So great to have you on the show. Um, welcome, first of all, is the first thing to say. Thank you. Thanks for hosting me. Um, pleasure. So let's kind of kick off for people who don't know, they might be thinking, well, I don't know what neurofeedback is. Can you start by just kind of sort of summarizing what neurofeedback is and how it works and why people might want to get involved in this? Sure. So uh, neurofeedback is a type of training that has existed in the uh, you know, clinical practices for over 40 years now. Um, the way that it works is uh, you go to a clinic, you put on these uh, EEG electrodes, um, on the head. These electrodes can measure your brain activity from different areas. And then this brain activity is translated uh, into visual or auditory feedback that can help you improve specific brain functions. Now, just to make it even simpler, think about it as a form of conditioning that you're doing to the brain by measuring the brain activity in real time and playing a game that is controlled by that brain activity that would essentially help you improve either your focus, uh, uh, reduce your stress levels or anxiety levels by getting direct feedback through a game. So it's, you know, if I want to oversimplify it, uh, you'd be basically controlling a game with specific brain activity that would in turn um, help in training specific areas of the brain. This is something that has existed for a long time and a lot of a research studies have been published on it. In fact, more than 700 uh, studies have been published on its efficacy for uh, ADHD, anxiety, uh, traumatic, traumatic disorders, and even cognitive enhancements for athletes, executives, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, the problem with neurofeedback as it exists today is that uh, it requires a lot of visits. So it's a, it requires a lot of commitments to go to the clinic um, and to actually, uh, you know, spend a lot of time in there while doing the training with the cumbersome setup and so on. And this is exactly why we uh, you know, started this company to kind of make it more accessible. So that, so from what I understand, which is pretty cool, is that people, instead of actually visiting a clinic, they can have all of the expert training with a cl clinician, but they can actually do this from home because you have partnered with um, Muse Headband, which listeners may or may not have heard of. It's something I've tried myself in terms of exploring the application for meditation and getting kind of feedback, limited feedback, I guess, in terms of my brainwave activity. Um, but your app that MindLift have is actually connecting the two, right? So people have a very usable form of kit at home. And then I think you have an elect extra electrode that people can use as well that mm -hmm. actually kind of takes that a level up, but then they get clinician support who then determines the kind of programs that they can do. So it's kind of making it extremely accessible, I guess is the best way of summarizing it for people who really want to perform at the highest level or solve a problem, as you say, something like ADHD. Would that be fair? 
summary. Well, ab- absolutely, but not only making it accessible, but also making it accessible without compromising the uh, critical quality of it. Um, and, and that really, okay, so that started when we actually thought really hard about, you know, what is the state of the, what is the landscape right now, right? If you wanted to do neurofeedback, uh, which is an alternative to um, other therapies or alternative to medications in certain um, uh, occasions, if you wanted to do neurofeedback today, you would actually need to find the local provider, visit them 20 to 40 times uh, throughout the year to get um, the full benefit of the training. Um, and that would cost also a lot of money in which most cases it is not insured, uh, not reimbursed by insurance. So we thought, okay, how can we uh, use what exists in the market today to actually make neurofeedback something that people can get at home? Um, and we found out that there is a device in the market called uh, the Muse, right? Which is a device that offers EEG readings from the frontal and the temporal areas um, of the brain. And, and, and it just offers EEG, right? In a very accessible way, it's very cost-effective. But there's one issue with it, which is you know, the fact that it's limited in terms of uh, location. So if we wanted to introduce it to clinics or to clinicians, they wouldn't have much to do with it due to its, um, you know, these limitations. So we added an extra electrode to that muse, to the existing device, to kind of unlock its capabilities and allow more, you know, give clinicians more options when they're choosing the training regimen or the program for their uh, clients. And then the other question that we asked ourselves was, okay, how can we actually, okay, so we solved the hardware part, right? So we have a device now. How can we build a software that, um, the clinics would trust and would actually use with their clients. And so when we asked around, the number one thing that kind of like stood out was that clinics want to be able to, you know, the clinicians want to be able to control, um, you know, what their clients are receiving and want to be able to also view the progress, want to be able to view the data and understand clearly uh, how to, you know, keep on improving the type of service that they're providing to their clients. So that's why we went out there and we built clinical dashboard that allows clinicians to basically control every single bit of the training program. Um, and the last part was, all right, so we've built that you know, clinical aspect of it. We have the device, we have clinical trust. How can we build amazing app uh, to help engage the users, right? And that was, that was a, also a very difficult thing to do because we kind of like wanted to transform uh, neurofeedback from something that can be done with these devices that cost thousands of dollars into an app that you can use on your phone. Um, and, you know, you need, we needed to automate a lot of the stuff that these devices required the clinicians to do. Now they were automated in our app. And so it took us, took us many years to actually develop it. And now, you know, when we put it all together, we suddenly have an app that does the same training that neurofeedback does in the clinic, uh, but you just get it from home, engaging content, engaging games, engaging videos, engaging stats um, while not compromising the clinical integrity and while also receiving the proper supervision from an expert. Because at the end of the day, you're dealing with the brain and we wouldn't want you to just you know, do it by yourself. It's always better to have a supervised program instead. Yeah, for sure. That makes perfect sense. I mean, I think it's a bit like anything, isn't it, that you want to get results on. You need to be sort of coached through it by a professional to actually understand how to really 
um, utilize that. But I love the idea that you've made it so accessible that some, someone can use it at home. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm curious about in terms of this is it, maybe if we could use some examples of who this might have application for. So, for example, obviously being the High Performance Health podcast, a lot of people that are listeners are high performers. So if we look at like you mentioned athletes there, but say, for example, and you also mentioned stress. So if we had an individual, for example, maybe an executive of a company who's feeling pretty stressed they might be going through a, st a stressful period in their business they're very busy now in my experience when people get into that highly stressed state then they're in kind of very fast beta brainwave activity and that actually compromises to a degree their creative thinking and I think mm. that's where people want to get a lot of that back and I've I guess that's something where I have traditionally turned to meditation just because that helps to connect, you know, to strengthen the corpus callosum and strength and, and basically help with that right and left brain thinking. Is that like an example of how this would have application in somebody who really wants to enhance their cognitive function? Absolutely. Absolutely. Think, think of it as, you know, meditation on steroids. You know, when you're doing meditation, you have no uh, idea what's actually going on um, in terms of the brain activity. Well, you're, you know, you, you feel that you have, you know, uh, you're, you're stressed right now and you feel that you have specific brain activity that is higher than normal. In your case, you said, you know, beta, right? And then you turn to med uh, meditation to kind of try to balance balance it out. But you actually know what's going on. Do you actually get feedback? You don't, right? And so no. with, with this type of technology, you're able to visualize and hear what's going on while you're meditating. If you, for example, choose to meditate um, and... In addition to that, you're able to get a personalized program that targets the specific areas right that are causing the um, the issues um, that you're struggling with, right? So I'll give you an example about how neurofeedback has been uh, applied to you know for cognitive enhancement or for performance. Um, in total, um, you know it's not a let's let's put it let's put it that way. Neurofeedback has been mainly studied. Um, um, on people that have ADHD, people that have anxiety, um, and traumatic disorders. That has been the kind of like the main area of uh, research when it comes to neurofeedback. However, there are tens of a, a studies published on neurofeedback looking at healthy populations, right, that are interested in improving their uh, performance. Um, and you can find that successful neurofeedback, when neurofeedback was done successfully in these studies, people have improved their sustained attention, they've improved their uh, working memory, mental rotation, uh, psychomotor skills, um, and other areas that directly affected um, their performance in, in work, sports, um, etc. And specifically, um, they targeted one brainwave that is super interesting, and it's been it's 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 a really fascinating one called SMR. Called what? Sorry, SMR. Okay. Right. This so this this brainwave is called the uh, uh, sensory motor rhythm brainwave, right? And it's between twelve to fifteen hertz, right? So it's not it's not very very fast. It's also not very slow. It's kind of like between the alpha and beta, okay. um, in a specific area of the brain. And when people actually trained that uh, brainwave, they were able to kind of achieve that relaxed, focused uh, state, right? So kind of getting into flow. Exactly. Kind of getting yeah. into flow, right? So this has been the main, let's say the main protocol 
of training that has been applied with for you know for cognitive enhancement. Now that you know what what worked for that specific population might not work for other populations that are interested in totally different things. You know, for example, that are interested in you know overcoming uh, specific disorders, for example, right? And that's and that's the beauty of uh, neurofeedback is that when done correctly and when you know when when it's supervised by a professional that knows what they're doing, right? Um, it can be personalized to the level that it, um, it targets very specific areas uh, mm. for very specific uh, needs, which with many products in mental well-being or mental health, you just don't get it. No, that's, that's, that's hyper-focused, isn't it? That's hyper-focused, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's the issue. And that's the issue when, when, when you, for example, you go you know, to the mental health landscape and you use solutions that are not getting direct feedback from your body to see if the training is actually working or to personalize the training for your own needs, right? So of course, you know, there are many, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy programs out there, but it's not very well personalized, right? It's like, a, it's, it's mm. you know, you get a label and you start um, your, your program based on that label, and that's it. Um, but, and also even, even when, when, when doing, for example, meditation, meditation apps, although they're great, and, and I, I use them, but there's something missing. What, what about the feedback that's coming directly from the brain? What about the data from, from, from the organ that we're trying to affect, essentially, when we're doing meditation? And that's exactly the problem that we're coming to solve. Interesting. Interesting. Because if you look at, like, for example, Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, when he holds the meditation retreats and he brings in scientists to actually measure those brain waves, yeah. that's when he'll see real transformation in terms of people healing themselves. You know, people who walk in and they've got a condition like multiple sclerosis, for example, they're in a wheelchair and then suddenly they just enter a particular brainwave, uh, level of brainwave activity that then cures their body, right? In, in real time and extremely quickly. It's, it's super interesting. And he's done that by assessing what, you know, what is happening to their brainwave activity when they're going into it and has found that they almost get into this. I think he talks about them just jumping into this very high gamma state where mm. they're almost, I guess, in that bliss state, right, that they've encountered this altered um, state of consciousness. But could you use this then? Um, would you have to do it as a specific training program? So obviously, if you have a particular condition, then you might be treating it. And you were saying it would take sort of 20 to 40 sessions. But what if you were somebody who wanted to use it as a tool? So for example, like on a day that I've got a particularly cognitively demanding day, I might take some nootropics just to help me focus. Um, I might fast longer on that day so that I'm not interfering things. Could you use it in that sense and do it as a kind of entry point, a preparation for getting into a flow state? Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, there are, so while the vast majority of uh, neurofeedback uh, protocols require commitment and require you know, training over and over and over again to actually see the benefit, there are some protocols one or two, not more, um, that can produce an immediate effect. Okay, and they're more um, they're more related to a, a relaxed state. Okay, so there is a protocol involving peak alpha that you can do for, if I'm not mistaken, um, eight to ten minutes, and you will feel the effect um, right after. You know, you'd be in a much more calmer, uh, relaxed state because what essentially what it essentially does, it's 
it allows you to close your eyes and get feedback exactly based on uh, the level of relaxation that you're in right now and try to elevate that, uh, not in a competitive way, okay? Uh, because I know you told me before the podcast about yeah. your issue with, with getting, you know, trying to relax in a competitive way by collecting, you know, birds or whatever. Um, but no, this, this one actually tries to do it in a more subtle, uh, subtle way, subtle feedback. Um, and, and yeah, so this is among the very few protocols uh, that, that works in that sense. Now, this is kind of like different from, um, you know, brain stimulation where, um, you know, there are stimulation products where, you know, you're basically sending signals uh, to the brain, uh, you know, uh, stimulating specific areas of the brain. And in that case, you might actually feel an immediate effect very strongly, but we're not there. Like, this is not our world, right? You know, most of the time you actually need um, consistent training to feel the impact. But once you feel it, it's long-term. Once you get it, once you get the benefit, it's long-term. It's long-term changes. That's, that's the good thing about it. As, as with most, you know, things that require training. Yeah. And so initially then as the starting point, I know when we were chatting before we, we started recording, you were saying that you can have, the, the starting point is actually to get an overall assessment, right? To understand how your brainwaves are operating. I remember... Um, we were talking and I was sitting with a neurofeedback specialist at a conference and he was uh, chatting to me about brainwaves. And he said to me, you, you are somebody who operates in fast alpha most of the time. That's kind of how you think. And that's sort of the danger with that is you sort of over rev a little bit. And so you almost need to drop it down a little bit to access that more creative thinking because a little bit like a car, you can just over rev. But it's really interesting because actually what this would enable, and that was based on his experience of looking at so many patients. But um, in this this example, right, when you do that assessment, if I was to sit there and do that assessment, would it tell me what levels of brainwave activity I have? And I think you mentioned before that it can pick up if someone's weak on a particular area. Yeah. So that... um... In fact, you know, when, when we started the company, we started the company with the aim of providing accessible uh, neurofeedback training. And at some point when we perfected that product, we immediately wanted to innovate in the assessment world. We immediately wanted to say, okay, you know what? We've gotten, you know, we've got this, um, you know, ability to read people's uh, EEG, you know, brain activity. Why don't we use that and create a comprehensive assessment that just, you know, that involves multiple domains in it. So we went and, and created that, and I'm super proud of it because this is quite recent. Actually, we've released it this year. Uh, we measure your brain activity from nine different locations on the, on the head, okay? Uh, frontal, temporal, and even the back locations, central. Um, and we then also uh, present you with questionnaires to help us understand, you know, your, your mental state based on the previous, you know, based, you know, based on subjective data, based on what you, what you think uh, you're feeling, right? We also use clinical input based on um, uh, uh, the expert that you're working with, um, you know, in your neurofeedback program. And on top of this, we also offer a, a cognitive test that helps in assessing, for example, your attention span, uh, helps in assessing your uh, reaction time uh, and so on. 
So we combine all of these together in one assessment that we call it a brain assessment, and it gives a detailed report for you and for your clinician um, or your coach, your expert, uh, gives a detailed report about your different brain activities or brainwave frequencies in different areas of the brain, what is within the normative range and what is out of the normative range, and what does that actually, what can it indicate, right? Um, and it also gives you a report of your, your performance on that attention task and your reaction time and so on. And then based on this data, your expert um, or your coach is able to extrapolate a training program that would work specifically for you and would target uh, the weak areas that were shown in that assessment. So instead of jumping right, right into a training program without actually understanding what is going on, we first assess, we scan, and then um, uh, we're able to generate a program. And it's not an automatically generated program. And I'm proud, you know, although, although uh, you know, you might, if, you, if you enter, you know, half of the tech people that you might interview will, will try to push for an AI saying, you know, it's an automatically generated uh, training program. In my case, I'm try actually trying to push to say, no, it's actually human generated, uh, generated by a clinician with tens of years in, in, in clinical practice uh, in, in neurofeedback expertise. And that's super important. Uh, because they have, they can process multiple data points and understand exactly what are the needs mm. of this uh, this person. And so, you asked about a very, you know, you mentioned something very specific. You said, you know, in a conference, somebody told you that you had, you, you know, you operate on very fast alpha. Mm -hmm. So what actually, in fact, one of the parameters that we uh, give you in that report is um, is about your peak alpha frequency, right? So, for example, uh, you know, you said that, you know. Operating on fast alpha basically means that your peak alpha is very high, right? Like mm -hmm. so, you you know you're you're the, within your alpha brain waves, um, you have the highest amplitude on the very fast alpha. That's basically uh, what it means when 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 that specific clinician told you so. Uh, and quite interestingly, the research actually there has been research recently that that showed that that ability to assess peak alpha might give us a peek into somebody's cognitive decline. Interesting. Right? So, for example, you start seeing, um, and of course, it's only one, you know, one or two studies until now. It's, not, it's nothing uh, super validated in that regards when it comes to, uh, to peak alpha, but this is where the field is going. They found that if your peak alpha, you know, the, the speed of your alpha, let's call it that way, is below a certain threshold, it might, um, so first of all, it goes down with your age anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're young, it's very- I was gonna ask you about that, like how much age plays a part in this, yeah. Exactly, age plays a part, but it, it you know, going, you know, it's, its path of going down accelerates if you're actually experiencing some kind of cognitive decline. So it can actually be an early indicator of cognitive decline only by looking at your uh, peak alpha in, in specific areas. Um, of the brain, which is extremely fascinating. And this is actually one of the research areas that we're interested in, but I can't, for example, make any claim about that until we actually do our own clinical study to show that this is, uh, this is true. But we've seen other clinical studies uh, done to kind of indicate that. And this, is, and this is why EEG is so interesting. You can explore mm. it in so many different ways. Um, and you know, I'm proud to say that you know, whatever claim we have about it, we actually go and do a clinical trial to test it, to test its feasibility before we can start speaking about it. But it's it's a huge world, and and that's you know that's I guess 
where the potential lies, but also uh, that's why a lot of people uh, are kind of overwhelmed or intimidated by EEG because it's difficult to kind of filter out uh, what's, what's really happening there because of the sheer amount of data that you would be getting from the brain and also because of the sheer amount of noise that you would be getting from there as well. But anyway, I'm getting too technical right now. You can come. No, I think it's, it's really interesting, it. actually, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, I think the listeners will like the technicality, so we can leave it all in. I think it's it's really interesting because the other thing that's I think I do a lot with uh, DNA testing and looking at at clients' results. And you know, my own uh, DNA, for example, says that I have one copy of APOE4. Now, I actually find that hugely empowering to know this, to know that I am an increased risk of Alzheimer's disease. Because actually knowing that years, you know, decades in advance of when that might happen means that I am much more focused on sleep. I'm much more mm. focused on keeping my brain alert. I'm much more focused on, you know, exercise and other techniques. And I'm an avid reader. And how can I enhance BDNF mm. and things like that? So for me, it's all about prevention is so much better than the cure, right? So it's like, well, actually, because, you know, my concept of high performance health is how can you be in a position where you can get your mind and body to do what you want it to do when you want to do it throughout your lifetime, right? That for me is the goal. After that, and kind of, you know, my interest in living longer drops off because (laughs) then it's just decline. So it sounds like from what you're saying that you could actually use this proactively to develop areas of the brain that maybe are beginning to decline and drop off to actually stimulate that neural activity and enhance it. And it's protective then from these early studies is what it seems you're suggesting. Is that right? Exactly. There are early studies right now that are suggesting that. You have to wait and see to actually mm. more research on that area. But if, if that turns out to be the case, then it's super promising. Because as we know, cognitive decline has been a very big issue mm. uh, uh, recently. Um, and and, peop- and you know, people are looking for solutions there. Um, and even if you're able to you know, detect that early by looking at the brain activity, um, you can start to take you know, preventive measures, just like as you described, uh, so you know, to assure a better life for the person that you're, um, uh, you're treating. Uh, for example. Um, by the way, you asked, just remembered, uh, you asked about protocols that are used in neurofeedback that can produce an immediate effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, 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 you know, I'll cite another study um, that has been, or, you know, a specific topic where you had four or five clinical studies published on it, uh, which is a, a, the retention of information uh, as a result of uh, uh, using uh, neurofeedback. So how neurofeedback actually affects your uh, memory. So there was a study done here in Israel, in fact, um, where they had people uh, do neurofeedback right after they've learned a, a motor task, okay? And they, they wanted to see if they're able to memorize that motor task a week after, two weeks after, and four weeks after, right? Um, and obviously they had a control group that, you know, both of them, they did the same task. One group did neurofeedback right after, and the other one um, didn't do nothing, just, just watch TV, right? But what's interesting about it was the type of neurofeedback that they've done was super interesting. They actually up-trained a brainwave called theta, mm-hmm. which is a very slow brainwave, okay? Three to seven hertz, very slow, much mm-hmm. slower than alpha. And... This theta uh, brainwave increases, or you can see it clearly when you're sleeping, 
Um, in, um, and it actually, in the hypothesis about, about it is that it helps with memory consolidation. You know how they say, you know, if you want to learn or if you want to memorize something, you know, learn about it and then go to sleep right mm. immediately so that you can actually retain that information. Yeah. What they know about it now is, or, you know, what, what they assume about it in, in the EEG, let's see, let's say uh, literature is that theta, the theta brainwave is associated with that memory consolidation that happens when you're sleeping uh, that helps in actually learning something new or memorizing something that you've just learned, whether it's a motor task or something else. Um, and so what they tried to do in that neurofeedback training in that study, they tried to emulate what would happen when you're sleeping. So they tried to help you increase your theta uh, brainwaves. In real time at that point. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly after you've, uh, you know, uh, learned that new model task, they have you do uh, a neurofeedback session specifically to increase theta Activity. So they were actually training your theta brainwave uh, by, you know, putting these electrodes on your head and then uh, showing you good feedback, positive feedback on a screen whenever your theta activity went above a certain threshold. So in that way, they're kind of, you know, up training. They're training your theta to go up and by that kind of emulating uh, what, what might happen when you sleep um, and, you know, that specific memory consolidation uh, function. Uh, the, the results... Were, were, were fascinating. Um, they actually managed to show that the group that did the active training managed to remember more than the other group after one week, two weeks, three weeks, and even after four weeks, uh, consistently, uh, by far. Um, wow, and that's amazing. That is. And, and that's this amazing. Is, and you're not talking here about, you're not talking about uh, multiple sessions to be done, okay? Yeah. They've done one session right after that specific model task that, they, that they've learned. Now, I, and I have to be careful here, right? Because we're, we're citing studies. Um, we haven't done it themselves, uh, ourselves. We're, we're citing them, but, you know, we don't know, for example, if this is uh, specifically because of the neurofeedback training or because of placebo, right? We also have to be careful there, mm. right? Like we can't really go and make these assumptions right away. So I'm just saying these are the results. It's interesting. It could be the EEG and then it's, it's super fascinating, but it could be also placebo, but... Those are the results. Yeah, it's still fascinating. And do you know what my mind, <laughs> being like typically thinking quickly, what I was thinking about there, which is really interesting, is if you think about so many people that are held back by subconscious blueprinting that occurs in early childhood in a variety of ways, right? And we know that children, for example, until they get, I think, to six to eight years old, are largely operating in theta then if we can actually slow down the brainwave state in an adult, presumably we, they're, they're then in a highly suggestible state. So this can be used in conjunction with other therapies like cognitive behavioral therapy or forms of hypnosis to actually kind of undo and reprogram the brain in a more positive format, do you think? I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but it seems possible. Yeah, well, uh, neurofeedback actually works really well when it's um, an adjunct therapy or training um, to other um, uh, therapies. So combining uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and neurofeedback um, can produce uh, really nice effects um, and can actually contribute to the, to the benefit of the, uh, or to the uh, results or the efficacy of the therapy. In fact, this is one of the things that we're currently exploring. Uh, how do we actually combine cognitive behavioral therapy along with uh, neurofeedback? We know that from the clinicians that we work with, 
Uh, and we're working with hundreds of clinicians right now, mainly in the U.S. But uh, we, what we, you know, the feedback that we hear is that for specific conditions, it's usually better to combine these two therapies, these two modalities at once. Each has its strengths, right? You know, cognitive behavioral therapy helps you build um, or helps you understand your emotions better, helps you understand your thinking better, and gives you kind of like a structure on how to think and how to react, um, and gives you actual homework that you can apply in real life. While neurofeedback, you know, uh, trains you physiologically, um, mm. you know, for these kind of situations. So it's it's a very interesting combination, and I think this is where the field should head to. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, you mentioned, like, for example, it's been used in PTSD. Has it been used with clinical depression as well? I know it's used in anxiety as well. Can it be used? Because depression, as far as I can see, and and having experienced it myself. Uh, which originally started postnatally um mm. it's just such a hard thing people don't really the professionals still don't fully understand do they how or why on earth depression occurs yeah 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 no no for sure i mean it's it's such a hard problem um mm. that despite the fact that there are clinical studies trying to see how neurofeedback can help with depression i don't believe um my opinion is that shouldn't, you know, probably shouldn't be used alone, right? Mm. Uh, and, and by the way, and that's exactly why when we offer uh, neurofeedback, we always try to offer it with a health professional on the other side uh, to help, the, you know, the, the user understand if, you know, neurofeedback is going to be enough in, in their case, right? Um, it's not a magic pill. It's not a magic solution. Um, and so we've seen that, you know, in some studies, you know, they've combined uh, nerve, you know, neurofeedback with other therapies to help in depression, but it's, we're still far behind. Like, mm. It's a long road, that one, isn't it? It's, um, it's what's interesting, stuff. though, and I guess a lot of people listening will be thinking about, because I'm definitely thinking about this now that I have a, uh, my eldest on his path to GCSEs, is what you were just talking about there in terms of improving learning, is can this help students assimilate information better? And, and that volume of information that they need to do. Are you using this? I know in clinics, they will do neurofeedback with children, but does MindLift as an app, as long as it's done with a professional, um, is it something that you use in under 18s? In under 18s? Mm. Well, uh, I can say that 60% right now, even a little bit more of our um, users are actually above the age of 18. Um, and the 40% that are below the age of 18 uh, use MindLift mostly directly through a professional, um, a local professional, um, and not directly through us, not directly with us. Mm -hmm. um, there are multiple reasons for that. Um, you know, this, just using it with adolescents or with children, you know, it's, it's totally different mm -hmm. than, than with adults. Um, and we... So in, in these cases, we kind of prefer um, that, you know, families actually, you know, they, they, they go to a local provider that they know that they trust, um, that, that is nearby, um, that can at least have one in-person, two in-person sessions before they start the training program uh, and not to get it directly uh, through us at this point, right? I'm being mm. completely transparent. Um, this is not a, our cup of tea right now, mm -hmm. a, meaning, you know, if I know that people can get MindLift elsewhere and get a better, better services for their specific uh, needs, I will recommend that. And in this case, I would definitely recommend 
a, a local provider of MindLift. Yeah. And actually, in our website, we have many local providers that you can find if they're nearby. And in our case, we, you know, if you want to get it directly through us, then it's probably better if you're if you're above the age of 80. Yeah, sure. The other question I have for you uh, before we go is, I guess it's it's application in relation to training. So we were talking, you mentioned about with athletes, it can be used to help speed reaction times. I'm curious in terms of like that sort of neural recruitment, when you look at things like strength training, when you're going very, very heavy, and it's much more taxing on the nervous system, um, you know, I've come across the device, the Halo Sport, which I think is used mm. in athletics. Yeah. Could you use, could MindLift be used to increase your performance in terms of physical activity? I, first of all, I love uh, Halo Sports. I used it myself. Do you? Uh, yeah. Um, and I, I really like what they did there. It's, it's not an easy field, by the way. Uh, mm. you, know, you know, doing TDCS, brain stimulation, uh, they, they chose a very difficult field and, and they did a good job. And of course, the whole field has a you know, long way to go. Um, and in that, in that sense, um, I am not familiar with studies that specifically talk about that topic mm-hmm. uh, to show how neurofeedback can be helpful there. So I refrain from, uh, you know, I can't, I can't really speak much about that. Um, and, uh, you know, MindLift specifically hasn't built has been built specifically for that mm. uh, for that specific use case. So I can't really speak. Much can't comment on that. But it yeah. is useful, isn't it, for speed of reaction times because the training games that you can do can speed up that reaction. Yeah, and actually, and this is something that you can also test and see in the app itself because of the assessment that we have that shows you pre and post, shows you how your you know reaction time was and how how it's evolving as well. Um, but there are just you know there are products that are focused specifically on that and i think they might be able to do even a better job do a better job uh, on that yeah yeah <laughs> and being super, super transparent you know yeah. uh being be kind of like more trying trying to be you know uh more focused on the science rather than, than marketing in, in yeah Facebook. yeah for sure <laughs> no i get that i guess my last thing actually it was interesting because this just came to me when i was just looking at my own aura ring and i look at my heart rate variability have you seen any studies that look at individuals who are doing neurofeedback and getting results with lowering anxiety and then that trans that coming through on their heart rate variability readings insofar as they're now better parasympathetically engaged have you seen anything on that that's 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 a great question actually and i'm i'm not familiar with studies that have directly looked at the connection between eeg training and hrv Mm. heart rate variability i i haven't seen but i think that's a super interesting area of study i will definitely uh talk about that with our scientific director yeah i think it'd be really exciting to see because it's something that i am always trying to improve and it's such a it's such a difficult balance isn't it because there's so many variables with hrv you know you can yes if you're more cardiovascularly fit you might see you, you will see it improve but then if you push too hard you can't and i've been exploring the metrics in terms of like well when you see a drop when is mm. it, when do you dial back a little bit and when are you actually pushing too hard? But it'd mm. just be really interesting to see the effects of brainwave activity in comparison to, because if you look at the Heart Math Institute stuff and the whole concept of heart coherence training, I just think, yes, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because it definitely seems to slow down your brainwaves as you're doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, um, you know, training heart rate variability or trying to, uh, uh, alter it, let's say, uh, is a sort of biofeedback and mm. uh, neurofeedback. What we just, you know, we spent 
almost an hour now talking about is also a, a, a form of biofeedback, just mm. you know, using a different physiological measure, your brain activity and and you know, HRV biofeedback uses a totally different measure, right? Um, you know, your heart rate. Um, but at the end of the day, they're both fall under the umbrella of uh, biofeedback, which is a very interesting field of study that hasn't been quite mainstream yet. Um, and I think it should be, it should be, it's, it's, you know, because it is one of these fields where uh, training or therapy can be provided and it's continuously being fed by data. Mm. Um, and we live in a world where data is becoming such an important area of our life um, that it's time for mental health to kind of step forward and, and integrate with data in a much better way. And that's why I'm a big supporter of biofeedback, whether it's on EEG or HRV. It's, it's definitely the time for these kind of products to shine. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you're doing is absolutely wonderful. I think it's amazing and it's going to help so many people, especially where you've just kind of connected clinicians with the ability to do it from people's homes effectively and train it, you know, is no, is no extra time. Effectively, they can do it there. How can people find out more, Aziz, more about you, more about MindLift and uh, if they wanted to get started on this? It's all on our website, uh, you know, mindlift.com, mindlift to the Y. <laughs> <laughs> Um, link to that yeah so yeah, yeah it's all, it's all and there you're pretty there. active on social as well we are we are we have a very active instagram page actually our instagram page is more focused on providing mental health content uh just kind of like more educational um less less marketing and more education so uh yeah brilliant i think you met prince william recently didn't you in terms yes, of supporting yes. mental health that's true that's true yeah. yeah i mean he came he came for a visit in 2018 um, and, you know, the government chose four startups that are within his scope of interest. <laughs> and obviously, you know, he's interested in mental health. So they chose us to kind of meet with him and, you know, um, uh, discuss what we're working on. And, yeah, we had the pleasure of meeting him. Uh, it was definitely a pleasure. And, uh, and, yeah, we have a nice picture of it as well. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen the photos. It's good. Well, I will link to all of that in the show notes. So um, mindlift.com and also your Instagram page. Everyone can find it in the show notes and over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash mindlift. Um, so thanks so much, Aziz. It's been absolutely tremendous to have you on the show and I've really enjoyed it as I think. So Thank have you so much. Listeners. Thank you so much, Angela. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.